Welcome to the Words of Grace podcast, where we discuss faith journeys, fellowship and stories from across the Diocese of Sheffield. Each week we will feature guests from a broad range of backgrounds and traditions within the Church of England. Our mission is to delve deeper into matters of faith and to ask each guest what has drawn them to Christianity. I'm Paul Sheridan and I'm here with my colleague and co-host Ben Fern. Hi Paul. You okay? Yeah, not bad yourself. Yes, we... For, for, for listeners out there, Ben and I were discussing Christmas before we came on air. So this might be a bit weird, but this is the Church of England, remember, everybody. So we are thinking ahead to Christmas. So as you know, we've got a, an email address, wordsofgrace at sheffield.anglican.org. If you've got some Christmas ideas, it'd be quite good to start sending them in. We're starting to line some stuff up. Um, we've signed to discover that Ben is getting slightly more curmudgeonly about Christmas as he gets older. That's right, isn't it? It is, but with good reason. It's more, as I was saying to you before, it's like the commercial aspect. I think it's the heavy build-up because it, it's obviously so intense and then it's just the cut-off on Christmas Day. So were you, when you were younger, not so, you're so ridiculously young now, but when you were younger, was it, a, was it like Christmas was fantastic and then now you've just got slightly jaded? Yeah, so I was all about Christmas cheer. I, I am really still, but yeah, I was always a massive... Christmas jumpers at work. Yeah, definitely. I'll still do that. I'm still... And I think... It's not, so I still have things like carol concerts, all that side of it, yeah. I'm still very much into, and like our Christmas staff do that sort of thing. But yeah, I think it's just because, I mean, I know this has been the case for years, because of come after Halloween in the shops, it's there already, I just find that a bit, I can't maintain that level of festive cheer in November, it's got to be through to December. Yeah, I've got grandchildren sense. now, so it takes on a whole new thing. We'll probably have to revisit this a few times on the run-up to Christmas. Because I've heard that the Christmas due this year is an international one. So I think we're jetting off to uh, Oslo or... Um, Rotherham. Aspen, Asp- or, or Rotherham. Aspen, I think. Is that is that right, Alex? Uh, I don't think that's budgeted for currently, Paul. <laughs> so if, you, if you've got some ideas, I know the generosity Parishier. team... I know the generosity team are passionate about being, you know, recklessly generous for Jesus. So if you can rustle something up, I'm sure we can arrange it. That could be a comms title this year for Christmas. Recklessly generous for Jesus. What a moment. It was worth having a year just for that, wasn't it? Definitely. can have that for free. (laughs) Strapline. But I was feeling more festive when we were talking in the office with Hannah, who's already been on the podcast, and Rachel as well. um, Carol's on the harp we went with, didn't we? No, what was the thing you said after that? Uh, Carols and Kermit. Carols and Kermit. That'll be the podcast for Christmas, everybody. Get book your seats early. We might go. I think we should do that. They're like the Crucible. Yeah, why not? Um, if they'll have us, yeah. I, I see no reason why not. It's too early for the Kermit impression now, but I it think is. Come don't Christmas peek too time. soon, Ben. Don't yeah. peek too. Keep it in the locker. <laughs> Absolutely. In the locker. <laughs> anyway, our guest. Indeed, you'll have heard Alex Shilkoff there. So Alex is the strategic program director for the diocese. She joined the role in 2018. It's a stewardship role to ensure good planning, coordination and impact of our work. Alex enjoys bringing people together to solve problems and to make their bit of the world a better place. Uh, She's been described recently by a colleague as being the glue for a lot of our work, something I definitely agree with. Uh, Before joining the diocese, she spent 14 years working in local government, uh, leading a range of neighbourhood and city-wide change programmes with communities, public sector partners and the voluntary community and faith sector. Uh, She grew up in Stoke-on-Trent, and having seen the impact of industrial decline, it gave her a lifelong passion to see inequality tackled to give every person and community the best chance to realise their potential. Uh, so quite a bio there. Uh, she chose to be baptised when she was nine years old 
and has been part of a church on one of Sheffield's hills for 18 years now. And her interests include outdoor swimming, walking, travel and sharing meals with friends and family. Alex, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, so you mentioned there about how long you've been in Sheffield for. Mm-hmm. Do you feel as much a Sheffield native as a Stoke native now? Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Sheffield is definitely home. It'd be very hard for me to leave Sheffield now because I feel very knitted into the community and the city. Um, and it's obviously just a wonderful place to live. Got everything um, that a big city has to offer and brilliant countryside. Um, I still refer to Stoke as home as well, so maybe I've got two two homes but I'm hoping to entice lots of my favourite people to move to Sheffield eventually so I'm slowly wearing down friends and family and persuading them that this this really is the best place for them to live so that's my master plan which I've just given away now Um, but that shows how good (laughs) Sheffield is. (laughs) My nana will definitely listen to this about 10 times yeah so yeah nana Shirley uh, she'll like that when she listens. <laughs> I met Nana Shirley at your birthday. Uh, yes. Very nice yeah, lady. She partied until the uh, early hours with everybody else. She did, absolutely. <laughs> um, so you had that sort of long period of time working in local government in those sort of partnership roles. Can you remember the moment when you first saw this role come up and what sort of attracted you to it? Yeah, I I can remember it very, very vividly, actually. So um, I'd been praying for a new job for a couple of years because I absolutely loved working in public service um, and it's got, you know, lots of brilliant positive points to it. Um, However, the last few years in local government under austerity, I found very challenging personally and I felt that some of the choices we were having to make didn't sit with my values as a person and as Christian. So I realised I need to feel part of building something up and under austerity, I felt like I was using my gifts and talents to find the least worst way of um, pulling some things apart, maybe changing some things for the better. So I've been praying for a new job for a couple of years and um, anyone that's on LinkedIn will know they send you lots and lots of emails. Well, there was a LinkedIn email where it said Programme Manager Diocese of Sheffield and I suddenly thought, oh, uh, that that sounds like something I could do. Um, and I think I saw that on a Thursday evening and it had to be in on the Monday. So I just had enough time to do the application. And was it, you know, in terms of your previous role, we've spoken before about how we've come from a secular workplace mm-hmm. background. Having that as a Christian, was it difficult or was it sort of a welcome challenge in a way? Uh, I found it positive things. So I was conscious that some of the people I might work with, I might be the only Christian they might know. So important to think about how I behaved and conducted myself. Um, from that point of view also um, when I was working in local government and working with the voluntary sector um, across um, the city was working with people of all sorts of faith and actually I was often in um, offices uh, with lots of fantastic Muslim colleagues so actually it was often easier to talk about faith when there was other people of faith um, around and I found that really uh, interesting and enriching as well. Was it difficult to make that move after that time? Or as you've said, because of the the challenges faced in your previous role, was it quite an easy decision to make? Yeah, I think I was ready for a change. Uh, Of course, it is always risky when, you know, you're on a certain path that, you know, uh, would have been a positive one in some ways. Um, And I did have a bit of a wobble about uh, taking this job. And actually, the second half of my interview for this job, uh, I had a bit of a 
mental freeze and I sort of uh, messed up the second part of the interview so I remember driving home and praying in the car and saying right God if they offer me this job it is because you really want me to do this job because I know I did not represent myself well in that second part of the interview Uh, the positive thing of that was I think expectations were quite low when I started of what I'd be able to do So I thought I'll just I'll just play it down a little bit, and actually I knew I was capable of a lot more than I'd represented in that interview. But I think that might have been a, a blessing in disguise when I started because expectations perhaps weren't too high. But you smashed the glass <laughs> Thank you, thank you. Yeah, ho- hopefully people would uh, concur. It's been a good appointment for for the diocese and for me. Hundred percent. So coming here. So for people out there that mm-hmm. don't know you and don't know what you do, they have this view of what we do in this mm-hmm. office, this place. Give us a, a typical couple of days in your your role. The, what sort of things are you mixed up in? What sort of things are you heading up? Yeah, so um, I can answer that, but also I can probably put it in the context of where I see my, my calling uh, fitting. So thinking about the last week, um, I helped to lead the preparations and conversations with two national church colleagues about the sort of support we will need from them in the next nine years around being our critical friends, but also the the, the way that financial support makes its way to us. So making sure everyone's briefed who's in that conversation, making sure that um, data and information and positive stories we've got to share are all collected. So that's obviously important in terms of our strategic relationship uh, with national church. And then also work with colleagues to make sure all the change work that we're doing. So that would include things like resourcing churches, mission area support team, uh, Lights for Christ, vocal ministry, the additional support for clergy through associate archdeacons, that we're just looking at how is that going? Are we making best use of the resources we've got? And what's the impact of it? Because lots of people are working hard, but we need to always know that it's making a difference. And I would work with colleagues to look at Uh, the impact of that and then collate that and report it to um, senior staff and other other key people like Bishop's Council. So it's about all the work we're doing, trying to have it all together in a coherent format so we know what's going on and if we're starting to hit some problems, we're able to quickly address them. I can say we're, I'm also working with Archdeacon Malcolm on the strategy refresh this year. So if anyone's attending a deanery day uh, engagement session, we'd really look forward to seeing you there. Uh, but I can say a bit about how I think my role fits within calling. Um, so in the Old Testament, when you read those long narratives about when they were building the temple, there must have been someone that was doing the planning, coordination and keeping track of how it was going. Um, and... Uh, you know, there must have been someone who was saying, right, you boys are off to Lebanon to get some cedars and this is your budget and you need to be back at this time because the stonemasons and the goldsmiths are going to be ready for you then for their bit. And there must have been someone that he might not have had a highlight report, but, you know, must have been reporting back to the king. This is how it's going. We're on schedule or we've run out of this. So and that's where I see my calling fitting in really is someone that can lead that planning and coordination so that people with other callings and other leadership roles are freed to do that but they can rely on me to get an accurate picture of where we're at yeah that's fantastic we've spoken before on this podcast about the change in the way we viewed work Mm -hmm. and that's really important in that isn't it I mean I grew up in a time where you know the pinnacle was to be a minister or a pastor Mm -hmm. you know that's what people if they thought you were full of faith that's where you went and we had to fight against that and say actually 
the mm. work that I did in engineering or the work that you mm -hmm. did in local government is as, if not more valid than that, because we have to, or this can't happen without that. So it's fantastic that you've seen your calling as that planning and that mm. moment, which is absolutely crucial to the, the ongoing work and the changes that are needed in the diocese. Mm. It's fantastic. And it's not either or, is it? So no. we know the sweet spot in any kind of community, be it a workplace, church or community organisation, is when you've got a group of people who are all shining in their gifts and talents and putting it together. And I think that's the sweet spot we've all got to strive for. Just sort of backpedalling a little bit as well, um, as well as the opportunity to work in a sort of mm. faith-based role. Was it exciting? You mentioned about how Sheffield's become a second home, that you could still be in that area, still that part of the diocese and still serve here. Yeah, and, and you know, really fortunate. I had that with the council in Sheffield that I got to know all parts of Sheffield really well after moving there as a student and living my life in a much smaller uh bubble uh, but I really enjoyed the opportunity to go out across the diocese and get to know different places so one of the first things I did was work on the resourcing churches bid for Rotherham and Ghoul so really brilliant to get the, to know those places got to know Doncaster a bit better more recently as well and yeah I think there is something special about serving um, somewhere that you've chosen to make your home as well. And also another part of the bio which I hadn't read out yet, was that you're a lay board member for the UK Faculty of Public Health? Yeah, so the UK Faculty of Public Health, um, people might be a bit more familiar with what public health is, sadly following the pandemic, um, but they look at how do we keep the whole population of the country healthy, and a big part of that is around tackling health inequalities, as well as all the training and registrations for professionals that they oversee. Um, and again, I wasn't really looking for something extra to do but that popped up in my inbox and I thought oh, uh, yeah that looks interesting so that's good because I've been able to l use a lot of the leadership and management stuff I've learned f from working on complex projects for a long time to um, be a critical friend on that board so they wanted someone who got experience of public service and the voluntary sector um, which I've got and yeah so the, the tackling inequality so again everyone has the chance to shine it's nice to have that opportunity with the with the faculty to contribute to the board. And it's that social activism again isn't it you mm -hmm. mentioned you're inspired by that in your previous role yeah um, that's obviously a big part of your life too. Yeah and I think just inspired by people who um, sometimes in an unrecognized way but a powerful way there's people across our communities doing fantastic things every single week week in week week out you just look at the different social action groups our churches run making a fantastic difference um but then also people that do that in a more campaigning forthright way as well and i think that was some of what jesus did wasn't it he he said this isn't good enough actually uh you're forgetting the marginalized and the poor and we need to do better and i i you know i think that's right and i think as christians we should care about that deeply and be willing to contribute what we can to it. And with that, you'll have seen a lot of change since you joined the diocese. You know, mm -hmm. Bishop Pete hadn't long been in the role when you joined. Mm -hmm. Since you've been here, Bishop Sophie's joined. We've had the pandemic. We've had lots of big changes here as well. Um, has that been a big challenge to see as well? No, I think, and I think it's been positive. So I think I'm used to working in environments with constant change. So that uh, isn't a new thing for me. And I think... Um, yeah, from from my perspective and experience, the, the changes have been good. So, uh, you know, people coming in with new gifts and talents, being able to contribute more to the life of, of the diocese. And I think what's exciting about working here is um, it feels like I'm contributing what I can to building something up, to building up the kingdom, to 
you know, really wanting that vision of thriving Christian communities in every place. So, no, I would say I find change quite positive. Um, I know that isn't everyone's experience of change, but I quite enjoy that dynamic um, nature of the work. It's really great. This is good. Let's go back to the young Alex. <laughs> nine years old. Is that what mm. right would say? Yeah. What was the young Alex thinking then at nine years old? Uh, yeah, so that I wanted to be baptised. So um, my family doesn't really have any church background in particular. And when mum and I went to parent and toddler group, we met some Christian women and their children. And my friend Sophie, whose mum Catherine was Christian, uh, went to Sunday school. So when I was four, I said to mum, I want to go to Sunday school. And where Sophie's was that? Going. Uh, so that was in um, St. James the Great Clayton, which is in um, Newcastle under Lyme Staffordshire next to Stoke-on-Trent. Um, so we, yeah, so mum and I went to Sunday school because mum and dad, very empowering parents, didn't want to like deny me any opportunities, wanted to explore. So mum and I went to Sunday school and eventually mum moved into big church. Uh, being not from a Christian background, she didn't initially realise that you're not meant to sit at the front in an Anglican church. So uh, uh, my mum would be right at the front and, uh, you know, would put a hand up and, and ask Father Roger, our vicar at the time, uh, questions because she'd not realised it wasn't full audience participation. And then mum had all these questions and my friend's mum, Catherine, uh, was relieved that the vicar was putting on an enquirer's course, which is kind of like a forerunner of Alpha, and said, Jill, I think you could go here. <laughs> and, uh, ask someone else all these questions. Catherine's a very polite lady. She wouldn't have said it like that. Uh, yeah, so mum became a Christian. We kept going to church. And um, yeah, just always very conscious. It was always my choice to go. Always wanted to go. And then when I was nine, um, I knew I hadn't been baptised. And... Um, uh, Father Roger like suggested that it might be something that we wanted to talk about as a family um so we you know so we did and uh, yeah so that was really really special that I chose you know I chose it I could remember it uh all my you know all my family there I was allowed to have some friends from school there uh yeah I remember it a really happy day and that then carried on through your into your teenage years did you stay at the same church and just the same friends or did you move around or? yeah no stayed stayed at the same church and then when I came to university um I used to go to church in the university holidays but I didn't find a church in Sheffield so apologies to all the churches in Sheffield that do brilliant student outreach I was just too lazy to, at the time to connect with you it isn't because you're not doing anything there are 6 30 services in the evening available you didn't you're not even make those <laughs> no wow <laughs> So, uh, but I never ever lost my faith. But then, uh, at the end of university, I went home for six months because my granddad was poorly, and then passed away. And I absolutely knew that God had got me and our family through that really, obviously sad and difficult time. So when I came back to Sheffield and started working, I thought I really should now, you know, sort out finding church. But yeah, never ever lost lost my faith. Perhaps didn't do as much about it actually, but never lost it. Always prayed. Always had that sense of um, God's care for me over my life. And then I sense that as you left university and went into work, that faith and that concern for social action, which is, we've talked again quite a bit on this podcast, there's, there's some fantastic people out there with that right at the centre of the faith, that informed your decision making from then? I, I think, think so. So my the church I grew up in, we had a fair trade store, we used to have fundraising things for Amnesty International, um like my mum and dad are very big on social justice so I've grown up in that sort of household uh but you know church was a place where I learned what fair trade was and why it mattered 
Um, so I think all those good routes and um, yeah, people being willing to highlight issues and ask other people in the church family to join in for fundraising or letter writing and that sort of thing. And it can be a challenging time being a Christian while studying, especially at university as well. Um, you know, with regards to conversations with the students, sometimes it can be an opportunity to share the gospel with them. But I guess, did you ever have any sort of pushback from that at all from people? No, I don't think so. I did a history and politics degree, so you were always debating things anyway. So I think I was just quite used to that debating kind of thing. And, you know, the people that I was close to at uni, um, yeah, you know, no, no big deal, really. History and politics was a particular focus or area of history? Uh, I intended to do more modern history. Um, so particularly in my final year, did a lot of study actually around the Jarrow marches, um, the hunger marches and the establishment of the welfare state. So again, um, reading the beverage report of just the horrendous conditions people were living in that were denying them the opportunity to realise their gifts and talents um, again that sort of spurred me on from a social justice point of view I think was it the five evils of beverage report yes uh, I don't want to name them all under pressure no I don't either <laughs> I was hoping you'd help me out there I'd, I'd left me far I'd google them quickly and try <laughs> yeah. and pretend but I got them very quickly there yes yeah, but, um, yeah abs- absolutely um but so, a fascinating period of history there as well because of the post-war reconstruction yeah. and yeah everything else as well yeah so no absolutely thoroughly love uh, enjoying my degree yeah, I did a history and politics oh, degree okay. as well. Yeah, so I did Fall of Empire uh, in my final okay, year. Yeah. So yeah, and uh, which is, which even now as I read stuff now is as the, mm. the, the the opinion of that has changed even from over those few years. But yes, really, uh, that is informed a lot of my. I came from quite a political family as well, mm. and it's informed my politics a lot. Since yeah, then. and I think if you look at that period in the nineteen thirties, um, you know people not able to have work that was stable enough it was it was almost an equivalent of zero hours contract you know work not stable enough to really live a reasonable life the idea of the undeserving poor if you were struggling it's because it's your fault I feel like we've actually you know those ideas are still present in our in our culture and I think as Christians we should challenge that absolutely I think um I was going to say when you started to talk about austerity and then went to the beverage report, sometimes we think we've come such a long way. And then I look at my own wife works at food bank Mm. and we were talking about food banks across the churches in the diocese and there's some fantastic work being done. But just to know that there are people out there that haven't got enough food this week or haven't got a bed to sleep on is it's 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 an extraordinary moment in it in the fifth or sixth richest country in the world. And I think it should inform our gospel well it does inform our gospel mm. it's just that we forget that it informs the gospel sometimes oh, yeah i agree and you know all the stats around um life expectancies widened in the last 10 to 15 years between the richest and the poorest so you know there's a common statistic that if you live on the east side of sheffield you're on average going to die nine years younger than if you live on the west side you know we should be outraged about that because there's things that we can do about it by working together and i think what really annoys me is the waste of talent god hasn't given um, a smaller number of gifts and talents to those in our poorer or more marginalised communities, and um, you know, let's let's build build people up, build community up uh, to make make their bit, you know, our bit of the world as good as we can make it. There was some work done nationally. As some of you will know I work in giving and generosity, mm-hmm. but around about other stuff, and there was some work done nationally, which we'll be unveiling soon about deprivation and giving, mm. and the correlation with deprivation mm. and giving. And the basic answer is that there is no correlation between deprivation and giving. Actually, the deprived churches give as much 
and as regularly and the same value as the really rich churches mm. and that is true nationally and I think that's a, a great encouragement to deprive churches and mm. a slightly damning indictment of some of our wealthiest churches so mm. that's something we may come back to in the next few weeks Ben when we do our controversial episode yeah and it's well from a comms perspective there's been so many stories and we've done a good new slant in terms of helping to meet that need but we've done so many food bank stories with people I've spoken to people who said how high the demand's been and it's been amazing to see them come together and deliver that but the fact that demand's there in the first place is again in 2023 really quite shocking yes from Burngree Food Bank um, Rebecca works uh, the level post-pandemic is is beyond all measure you know it's not just a doubling it's a triple four times five times as much demand as it was pre-pandemic which is a, which yeah is and nas- scary. nationally citizens advice are now saying that um the cost of living crisis is now going to tip into a household debt crisis so people that had sufficient financial resilience last winter are going to start seeing themselves tipping into uh really struggling and obviously as soon as you're in debt um that can escalate and can be just incredibly hard to dig yourself out of looking forward now (laughs) within the diocese you've been here a few years Mm -hmm. i've been here almost a year there's been a lot of new people arrive and Mm. and so on and so forth i I suspect because of the the nature of who you are there's going to be an optimistic answer (laughs) coming our way which isn't always the state Mm. you know when we speak Mm. to people in diocese optimism but i suspect because of who you are there's going to be an optimistic answer Mm But how you are feeling about the next year, the next two, three years? Because you're a planner, you're a strategist. Mm-hmm. So how are you seeing things panning out and, and where do you think we're heading? Yeah, I, I mean, you're right. I, I am optimistic, but hopefully I'm a, I'm a, I'm a realistic um, optimist. So I think what's exciting is with um, some of the leadership that we've got, the opportunity to partner with National Church for fundra- funding support, um, it feels like a once in a generation opportunity to turn things round um as a as a you know whole church family so that we can be um a larger church collectively uh more outward looking and more able to um serve the gospel needs that we've touched on already in this conversation so i think one of the encouragements to me has been that the additional funding we've got from national church that has enabled us to uh, recruit you two for a start hello another another fantastic (laughs) colleagues i'm blown away by the people that god has sent to join us on this journey so not only have they got the right skills for the job but um Brilliant personalities looking at you two in the podcast room. Keep going, keep going, keep going. going. You can come on again next week. Um, You know, people... She's looking for a spot, I think, isn't she? (laughs) You can give me that tenner later. Um, Yeah, you know, people who are really up for the challenge we've got, using the skills they've got to uh, really help our parishes so that it releases and enables them to fulfil their gospel calling. Um, Loads and loads of challenges. Uh, loads of difficult things to navigate, not least the impact of cost of living crisis, um, you know, the challenges that we know we face around um, buildings, finances, uh, growing local leaders and things like that. But I feel like we couldn't be in a better position to have a shot at doing this. So I'm I'm looking forward to working hard with the with the wider team to try and make the best use of what we've got and hopefully as the bishop would say with a fair wind of the holy spirit um we'll be looking back and talking about really positive things in the years to come 
And you're part of a vibrant church at the moment. Mm-hmm. I know they've done good work with sort of eco church and new congregations. Mm-hmm. Um, just tell me a bit about your church. Uh, yeah, so I go to St. Timothy in Crooks. So the smaller sibling of, a, of another church people might have heard of in Crooks. So uh, yeah, St. Timothy's, I, I went there, not necessarily because it's a Church of England church, but because um, I got myself through the door and I thought there's something good and special happening here and I want to be part of it. So relatively diverse in terms of social background um, and yeah, just a range of people who are really willing to get stuck in and actually do things that connect with the community and try and address the challenges that people might be facing. Uh, so there's all sorts going on through the week as there are in other churches across the diocese. We've got a bit of a resurgence at the moment in people who really want to pray and pray quite deeply and persistently for different issues and challenges. So I think God is doing something special um, in that. So we, we're just about to embark on the focal ministry journey as well which I'm really looking forward to. So I think, again, feeling optimistic that there's some good ingredients there um, uh, that I think, yeah, we're going to see some positive changes in the years to come. And yeah, it's well, we won't I'll say it's, it's well situated as well, isn't it? That crooks, that part of Sheffield's a very lively mm. area. Yeah. All sorts going on. Yeah, yeah. No, I absolutely love living there. You know, you're a mile and a half from the city centre. It's got a brilliant high street and you can walk into the countryside. And uh, yeah, my tip for good sunset spots in Sheffield is the Bowl Hills Park. Yeah, Uh, I don't think there is a better sunset spot in Sheffield. It's uh, it's west facing and you can watch the sunset uh, over Bradfield in the distance. Really brilliant spot. We, um, not long after we moved and we we lived just around Mm. the corner from from where you and I have just moved, Mm. but um, we're actually in the same benefice Mm-hmm. We are. Um, but yes, we drove along that road to the bowl hill mm. and came around the corner just by mistake, drove there, got out of the car and looked across. And we just stood there, Becca and I, for five, five minutes. Mm. Thinking, this is the most extraordinary spot. And when we have visitors, we sort of say, oh, we're just driving along <laughs> here. We drive and everyone yeah. just goes, wow, what, a, what an amazing Oh, yeah, it's such a blessing. And I never get bored of the view. And it's brilliant when it's snowy. You can go sledging or on a snowy walk. Also on a bonfire night, you know, if you're it's a, a little... It's a spot to watch from, yeah, yeah, you know, if you're a little bit tight and you don't want to pay to go to a firework display, get yourself a cone of chips and stand on the bull hills and you can enjoy a range of fireworks across uh, Stannington, Lodgemore, uh, Hillsborough. Um, yeah really uh one one of the reasons why i would be reluctant to leave that neighborhood because i enjoy it so much there absolutely it's a stunning spot mm. um alex you've spoken a bit to me before about your jewish heritage mm-hmm. which i think is a really fascinating sort of part mm-hmm. of your origin story um just tell me a bit about that and well i like having an origin story because it makes me sound like a superhero ben <laughs> you're a superhero <laughs> on point then your origin story so uh yeah so uh my surname is shulkov which uh as most people know uh, is a bit of a funny sounding surname that's because it's russian so uh my dad's uh paternal grandparents um their families uh came from what's what was then Tsarist Russia in the 1890s when there was pogroms. So um, if people have seen Fiddler on the Roof, that is set in that sort of era. Um, So they came, um, yeah, over to the UK seeking a better life. Um, 
And then they didn't have naturalization until the end of the First World War because some of the men had fought for the British in the war. Some obviously sadly died. So that was when they got the naturalization. So probably been here getting on for 30 years, 25 years, something like that. And um, when my parents retired, they both volunteered for a refugee project in Stoke that was run out of a church. Um, Yeah, and I remember my dad saying, you know, we don't know very much about their experiences of when they first got to the UK, but that just that idea of we hope that there was someone to help um, our family as uh, mum and dad were contributing uh, what they could to help other people in similar similar situations. So yeah, so it's nice nice to have that heritage. Uh, I went to the Holy Land on a tour a few years ago, and it did feel special to be outside the temple and think, oh, maybe an ancient shilkoff of one sort or another might have been standing here too. Um, so yeah, that feels good. We had Grant Naylor on recently, mm. of course, very much a friend of the Words of Grace podcast. Nicely done. Um, <laughs> and we talked about the whole land trip mm. and um, we're going on it and you're going to come on yeah, it as well. Yeah, uh, my mum is coming as well. Um, so mum is currently reading Jerusalem uh, by Simon Seabag Montefiore yeah. in preparation mm-hmm. for that. Excellent. And um uh, yeah, I have read that book, but I thought when well, mum's read it, she can refresh me on what's in there. Uh, yes, yeah, so really looking forward to it. You're going as well, Ben. Uh, so I think we're on Grant's coach. So I'm, I'm looking forward to some deep learning and a good giggle as well. Yeah, me too. I think I was always going to go because of his persuasion and also your strategic insight and your <laughs> advice as well from your previous visit. So yeah. I should say to listeners, I have no control over extending Ben's contract. <laughs> 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 but well, thanks, thanks for your time. For, yeah. yeah, thanks for the compliments. Well, Up and coming is his direct boss, LJ. We've got LJ coming up. So, so what are you going to be like? We might have yeah. to get somebody else in. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, bias. There's an external bias <laughs> going on here. Yeah. We, um, as we come towards the end, and it's been so interesting Thank to you. speak to you, um, we throw a few mm-hmm. other stuff out there. Um, Ben will go down some sort of Marvel route in a minute, but I go and try and go that before that with books. Yeah. So I suspect you're a reader. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what have we got on the uh, bedside table at the moment? Um, so I am, am a fan of the Goodreads app, and that would tell you that I have about 10 books on the go at the right moment. But uh, I finished last night uh, a book called After Whiteness, which is by uh, Willie James Jennings, who did our Shrove Tuesday lecture about 18 months ago. And it's about the leg- legacy of color colonialism in terms of um, how that impacts on Western culture and how we operate and how as Christians we operate within that so uh, that is a fantastic read that could be a whole other podcast in fact well, well um, I just finished Empire Land oh okay well. yeah so yeah I've not read that uh, I, but I've also got on the go a bit lighter uh, Daisy Jones and the Six. Oh, which I read on uh, over lockdown actually yeah. my, my um my daughter-in-law uh, recommended it to yeah, and I devoured that in a day and a half. Yeah. yeah. So I haven't watched the TV series, no, but I've downloaded the, the album, and yeah, I think the book is fantastically well uh, crafted. So I'm enjoying right. that. I've got. You're allowed to say no comment to this. It's probably an unfair question. <laughs> if you had to who's your a- favourite person at church? <laughs> <laughs> That's not the question. <laughs> Stoke accent or Sheffield accent? Oof. Oh, I've got a funny mashup of accent so I have still got little bits of Stoke but then I lived with girls from Manchester at uni um and so I picked up a bit of that and then I've picked up some Yorkshire as well so I'm just I'm personally a complete mashup of accents I don't think I have a 
I don't think I have a favourite. So I love the Yorkshire accent, but also if I hear a Stokey accent, you know, maybe if you're in a pub or something, my ears prick up and it feels quite homely to uh, hear something familiar like that. That's a very diplomatic answer. It's the truth. It's the I'm going to go for two questions quickly. Stoke yeah. or Port Vale? Stoke. Right, great. Um, although, although in junior school, two young friends did suggest I should support really crew Alexandra because my name's Alexandra, so I do look their results up as well. Wow. Yeah, okay. of course. Yeah. <laughs> you love music, we know this. Yeah. So, um, favourite bands or what you're listening to at the moment or are you going on a trip tomorrow, what comes with your Spotify playlist? Where are we at? Yeah, uh, so too much music has been downloaded. So my all-time favourite bit of music is actually Finlandia by Sibelius uh, and also uh, part of that is set to um, Psalm 46 in a hymn which is uh, my favourite psalm so that would be my all time favourite my top tip for a band to listen to if you haven't listened to them already are some cheeky scousers called Red Rum Club who I've seen quite a lot I discovered them at Tramlines about four years ago and I've seen them quite a lot since so Red Rum Club would be my tip for a new band to get into Okay, uh, I I'm intrigued with the answer to this one because I know you like both, but it's on our staff internet. Uh, mm-hmm. Hiking or swimming? Swimming. I'm so pleased that you put outdoor swimming on mm. your... One of my moments where... I, so I swim. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I swim in veterans' masters events. Um, I swim for okay. Sheffield City Swimming Club. But one of my pet hates out there in the world, and I'm sorry if this upsets you, but is when people say wild swimming. I agree. It's not wild swimming, it's, it's swimming a, outdoors. I agree, that's why I put outdoor swimming. Like, yeah, you're just outside. You're just swimming, you just happen to be <laughs> outside. It's not wild swimming. Wild swimming, okay, in a massive raging sea is a bit wild. <laughs> but just because you've gone and found a little pond somewhere that happens to be outdoors, it's outdoor swimming. Yeah, and I would like to add I got into it before the pandemic. Quite well done you. I had a dry road before the pandemic. Thank you very oh, much. You're absolutely right, but you're channeling Richard Maidley just a little, <laughs> little bit. <laughs> This might be the moment I go viral. Yes. Full partridge. It's a full partridge. Aha! <laughs> <laughs> yes, sorry. I did go a little bit. My kids do tell me I go a little bit partridge occasionally. Yeah. <laughs> my other one is when I go utter, utter nonsense. And my, kid gone, my kids tell me I've gone Alistair Campbell. Full Alistair Campbell. Oh, yeah. Point. That is a touch, Alistair Campbell. Utter, utter nonsense. Yeah. Well, I've nicked a Tom Holland, Dominic Sambrook catchphrase in this podcast anyway. Yeah, fantastic. Um, Now, I won't ask the derivative superhero question. Um, I won't be able to answer it, Ben. I'm really sorry. I normally ask what superpower you'd pick, so. Uh, Maybe able to swim like a dolphin. Nice. Nice. Good chat. I think we're at the end there, aren't we? I think think. we've covered some good ground there. You've given us a really good sort of balance of stories, origin story, uh, interest, that sort of thing. But it's been really fascinating to to hear more about that, to delve deeper into that, especially your background in local government as well. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Always nice to spend time with you both. Thank you very much. It's lovely. And thanks for all the all that you do for the Diocese Thank of Sheffield. You. I know you get paid for it, but um, <laughs> it is encouraging when you hear the stories. And, and we know that you're optimistic about the future, which is yeah. fab. So And it's lovely. easy when you've got such lovely people to work with. Yeah. Before it becomes too much of a living, let's say goodbye. <laughs> thanks to everyone for listening. And as we've, we keep saying, words of grace at sheffield.anglican.org if you want to get in touch or ask questions make some comments or even if you want to suggest some people out there that might want to come on this podcast please do get in touch and uh, we always reply very very quickly don't we Ben? absolutely on it thanks bye take care